Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you here with me. And I'm so excited to be doing a solo episode today. I feel like it's been a while. I guess it's really only been a month, but I really, really like doing these solo episodes. I feel like it's more intimate and it's just like one-on-one, just you and me. So this episode has been a long time coming and I hope I do this topic justice. So I'm going to be talking body image, exercise, nutrition, and how I went from obsessively tracking my food and exercise to doing it all intuitively. I'm sure some of you have followed me on Instagram since the early BBG days. And if you did, let me just say thank you for sticking with me. I went back to look at what I was posting over the years. And all I can say is, yikes. I mean, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I see now that the message I was perpetuating wasn't always the healthiest, but I will get into that. So I'm going to start by talking about my own journey over the years. And God, I really hate that word journey. It's awful, right? I just can't think of anything else. So that's what we're going to go with for now. Anyway, for those who haven't followed me from the beginning or just want to get some context, here's the condensed version. So I was always pretty tiny, but I was also very aware of my body and my weight growing up, as I'm sure a lot of people listening were. And when I reached my late teens and early 20s, I began to struggle off and on with bulimia. And I have to say that it really had nothing to do with my weight, but more to do with emotional turmoil and uncomfortable feelings and all of the things that also fed my addiction, which was starting around that time. So as I got heavier into drugs and alcohol, my eating disorder would subside because I had something else to numb whatever I didn't want to feel. And I was so thin, but there were times when I would get obsessed with losing more weight, which is just an example of body dysmorphia and the fact that it had more to do with how I felt inside than how I looked outside. And this is important because it is going to come up over and over again in my story. 
So I won't get into my whole story of addiction because I'm sure you've heard it before. And if you have not, you can go back to my episode from early April, I believe it was. Um, But anyway, when I got sober, the bulimia did come back a little bit briefly. But once I established a foundation in sobriety, it went away, which I'm so grateful for. I know it's very much not the case for a lot of people, but I wish I could talk more about how it went away. But it was truly just kind of eradicated when I got active in my substance abuse recovery. So I'm sure that it was because I dealt with the underlying emotions that I had been trying to stuff or numb or purge or whatever over the years. You know, I addressed them in therapy and my recovery program head on, and I didn't try to hide or bury any of that anymore. So really the way I see it is like no inner turmoil, no desire to harm myself. So fast forward to when I was two years sober, I started my Instagram account under the pseudonym The Blonde Files, and that name has stuck with me, fortunately and unfortunately. I think if I could go back, maybe I would pick something a little different. But anyway, for months, I had been feeling uncomfortable in my body. And I was following these women online who did BBG, and they looked incredible. And I wanted what they had. So you know, I was kind of in this situation where like I had experienced a little bit of a rebound effect with my weight when I got sober and that I went from being basically malnourished to being healthy, but my body held on to more weight, probably for dear life. And at that time I was experiencing bad bloating and water retention, which I will also get to shortly. But at that point I felt like I had my life together and I wanted to get in shape. And so... One day in February of 2016, I decided to start BBG and track my progress on this Blonde Files account, not showing my face or revealing my identity because I didn't want anybody that I knew to see these before pictures, which at the time were so shameful to me. So I would do the workouts in my apartment and they were so hard and they are still so hard, but I distinctly remember one day, a couple weeks in, when I could all of a sudden do consecutive push-ups. And I had a taste of what it felt like to get stronger. And that really energized me. So once that happened, it gave me the confidence to start working out in the gym and thus began my BBG days. So I want to point out that because I was pretty checked out for most of my 20s, I had no idea what health actually was. I say this all the time, but I thought that health meant abs, full stop. That was all I wanted. And like I mentioned, BBG is hard and will definitely whip you into shape. So I was doing the exercise part, but I had no idea how to eat. Now, I have always been a pretty healthy eater. We didn't grow up on junk food and my parents both cooked a lot. So that definitely influenced my eating habits. But when I was doing BBG, I initially thought that restricting carbs, eating really high protein and moderate to low fat was the way to go. And then I was like, no, really high protein, really high fat. And honestly, for some people, some of these might work. So I want to be careful here not to label anything as bad, but I found myself eating like a light breakfast, lunch and dinner. Then at night I would be starving and I would do like the Arctic Zero with a Quest bar microwaved on top and I would wake up feeling like shit. Oh, and I would drink 
so much coffee and smoothies all day. So I was on this blood sugar and adrenal roller coaster, which really didn't help my cravings and my hunger cues. And binge eating was also an issue for me in those early days. And it was even something I kind of promoted. So that's a big yikes. But at the time, there were these approaches and sayings that circulated among the BBG community, like never miss a Monday and one perfect week. And there were a few others that I can't remember. But one was to eat clean all week. And then on Sunday, have such a quote unquote cheat day that you would be so sick from the cheat food that you could once again eat clean for the next week. So even saying it, I'm like, oh my God, just facepalm. But I did that. I definitely bought into the idea of cheat meals. And I also had trouble not eating the entire kitchen at like 9 p.m. So I did get in shape over the course of about six months, but I was also bloated and had really bad energy levels throughout the day. And it was just kind of like erratic and all over the place. So to add another layer onto all of this, I had acute gut issues going on this whole time, which I feel like is a separate episode. Um, So let me know if you want to hear one about that. But at some point when I was trying to navigate those, I also decided to start counting macros. So when I was doing BBG and binge eating and restricting, I put on muscle and I definitely leaned out a bit, but somewhere I got it in my head that I would be truly happy once I looked a certain way. And there was such an emphasis on after photos and tracking progress that inevitably it kind of became an obsession and tracking macros was really popular among the BBG crowd at that time. And there were a lot of accounts that would help you calculate your macros and all of that. So for those who don't know, tracking macros means setting a certain calorie and macronutrient goal, like say 1800 calories with 40% carbs, 30% protein and 30% fat. And you track that down to the gram using an app. At the time... (laughs) I thought it was a magical solution because you can really control what you're putting in your body for the result that you want to get. So you can set your macros for adding muscle or cutting muscle or maintaining. And I also found that with all of my meals planned out, I was not thinking about food all the time anymore. So there were some benefits. However, and this is a big however, Tracking macros does not account for things like hormone fluctuations, stress on any given day, sleep, etc. I don't think it's fair to say to our bodies, you only need 1600 calories every single day. So that's what you're going to get. Another issue is that I was bringing my pre-planned meals with me on like client lunches and it was really stressful to go to any restaurant or an event where you would spontaneously be eating food, like the horror, right? It basically teaches you not to trust your body. And this is what a lot of this comes down to. I learned to not trust my body and nothing good can come from that. I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I want to tell you the final and biggest problem that I had with macros. And that is that I figured out ways to still eat a lot of food at say 1800 calories. So I could kind of maneuver it so I could still have three meals and four snacks if I wanted and dessert. So I was eating maybe less nutritious, less calorie dense foods. And then 
I got really clever and I figured, well, if I can eat all this food at 1800 calories, then I can still figure out a way to do it at 1400 calories. And then when I did it at 1400 calories, I thought, why not 1200? Because I wasn't feeling hungry. I was making it so I was eating all day, which also isn't necessarily the greatest thing to be doing. So I wasn't really feeling hunger per se. So I kept cutting calories by like 100 or 200 calorie increments. Um, And I kept dropping down and eventually I was really thin. I didn't think so at the time, but I look at pictures now and I was a rail and I had no energy and I was constantly thinking about food and exercise. And I didn't even notice that my body had changed because I just wanted to reach whatever that next goal was that I had. And I say this a lot, it's never enough. There's always another goal. So my body kind of shut down on me. The gut issues got so bad. And that is when I ended up going to see my functional nutritionist, Rob Yang. And it's funny to look back on that because even though I was exhausted, I was super thin. I was nauseous and fatigued so much so that I could barely work. All I wanted from him was for him to tell me what macro breakdown would help me to lose fat. I can't even say it. And to give me a probiotic to make all my gut issues go away. I didn't know what I didn't know. My perspective was so myopic. And obviously he didn't do any of that. And instead he tweaked some of my food so that I could eat more nutritiously and have more energy. And then he eliminated some of the common irritants from my diet, including temporarily eggs, legumes, refined sugar, gluten, dairy, and a few other foods that I had tested intolerant of. He then ran some GI tests and put me on a supplement protocol and had me scale back from exercise. So I talk a lot about exercise being a stress on the body and it can be a good stress and it can also be a bad stress if you're experiencing other stressors from things like gut infections. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, a creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. So this was when everything began to change. And I started to learn how interconnected our bodies are and that it's so much more complicated than energy in, energy out. So I learned how to use food as fuel and nourishment. And I learned how to relieve stress from my body and my mind and how to go about healing my gut. And all of a sudden, this very narrow view of what health was really opened up and I started to really look at it more holistically. So I am a rock bottom kind of girl. (laughs) In order for me to make lifestyle changes and practice acceptance, I have to be shit out of luck and have no other options. It's how I got sober And it's what happened to me at this point in my journey. (laughs) There's that word again. So at this point in slowing down, I very, very, very slowly began to accept my body for what it did for me and not just what it looked like. 
I felt like if looking a certain way meant that I had to obsess and count every morsel of food that I ate and kill myself in the gym, I didn't want it. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't fulfilling in the least. When we do things from a place of self-loathing, we aren't going to suddenly love ourselves when our efforts produce a certain result. We are just going to loathe ourselves and find new things to hate. So when I started to do things to heal and nurture my body, only then did I start to see it for what it was and and all that it was going through and what it could do. And when we're coming from a good place, lifestyle changes are more sustainable and we're more likely to see favorable changes externally. So I will say this again and again, but what we see in the mirror is usually a reflection of how we feel inside. We can look the exact same from one day to the next and one day like our body and the next day hate it. So the real work is on the inside. And when we're focusing on that, usually the physical changes follow because we're taking actions to nurture and support ourselves or we are just growing to love what we see. So that's been my approach for the last year and a half. I eat what I want when I want it, but I still avoid gluten, dairy, and refined sugar um, because those three still give me issues. And this was a process, but it comes down to trusting my body. Like I was saying before, how can I love my body if I don't trust it? Or how can I trust my body if I don't love it? I have to do both. A good place to start is just being neutral towards ourselves. I talked to Sophie Jaffe about this in her episode a few episodes ago, and she was acknowledging how hard it can be to go from self-hatred to self-love. So starting in a neutral place makes it more manageable. So maybe just writing a few gratitudes or saying some gratitudes in the morning in the mirror and just going from there. So I also incorporated meditation into my life, which I do twice a day for 20 minutes in silence. That is transcendental meditation. And it has truly taught me how to tune into my body and my mind and my needs. How can we possibly know what we want and need if we don't slow down to catch our breath and listen? I also do mostly gentle movement like walks and Pilates and I'll occasionally do like a high intensity or even like 7 to 14 minutes of BBG if I have the energy. So in the morning I try to get quiet and I listen and I tune into my body and and I see how I feel and then I go off of that. Sometimes I have a ton of energy that I want to burn off and other times I just need to do something like slow and I love Melissa Wood Health and there are just some really good options right now, especially with this quarantine situation. Everything is online. And yes, the question that so many people had was, did my body change? Yeah, my body looks different than it did at my thinnest. I'm still thin because genetics, but I'm softer and that's okay. I don't really think about how it looks, just how it feels. And because I like myself for other reasons, I like my body. So because I like myself for things having nothing to do with how I look, I like how I look. <laughs> So that said, I know that the question of how to shift from a rigid mindset to a more intuitive one is of interest to a lot of people. So I'm going to get into that in the question and answer section, which I will get to right now. So I am going to do these in no particular order, just how they came in on Instagram. So I will keep you guys on your toes a little bit. So we will start with what has been the most helpful tip regarding having a healthy relationship with food? 
I'm not sure there's one tip in particular that I can think of, but the idea of using food to feel good, to use it as fuel and enjoyment and nourishment rather than like emotional bomb or something to fear, that really changed my relationship over time. But it's a process. I mean, isn't it so strange that we are taught to fear hunger? Like, oh my God, we have to suppress our hunger because then we'll have to eat. Like it's so twisted. I really came to appreciate food the more I cooked for myself and my loved ones and learned about different foods and how they support the body and how it can energize and help me to flourish. And I came to recognize and appreciate my hunger cues. So I guess... I'll make a tip out of this. So my tip would be to befriend it. How do I stay motivated to stay healthy? Well, I sound like a broken record, but feeling good. There is nothing worse for me than feeling constantly lethargic, bloated, unable to work out or be present because my body is struggling. And of course, I mean, I'm human. I want to look good, but by looking good, I mean, I want to look healthy vibrant, glowy, young. It's not about the shape of my body, but it's about reflecting health, I guess. That's what I care about as far as looks go. But that happens from really nourishing ourselves. When I'm over-exercising or stressing my body out and not eating enough, it totally shows itself. And I also can't show up for life and I just don't have the patience for that anymore. Am I completely free from past rules and beliefs? I am now, but... Inevitably, if I sit on Instagram or TikTok or whatever for too long, or if I end up on the Explore page seeing candid photos of Emrata and her freakishly toned abs, I'm going to have moments of regression. The thing is, we control what we see. If I go on Explore, I know what I'm going to find. If I interact with certain accounts or follow certain accounts, I'm going to see more of that. So I'm really disciplined when it comes to how I behave on social media and who I follow. Mainstream media is a different story and it's harder to avoid, but I will say when you see a lot of these people in person without their face tune or Photoshop or airbrushing and filters, they're just regular people and seeing their flaws because everyone has them is definitely helpful. I remember I felt so relieved after my first award show because I was like, oh, so-and-so has wrinkles and lots of makeup caked on and is not as like snatched as she looks online. So now I'm totally going off on a tangent, but to circle back to the original question, um, if I am free from past rules and beliefs, yes, I am, but there are certain things that can be momentarily triggering. So I avoid that and I just would never want to go back there. So I don't. Okay. How did I begin to incorporate healthy versions of foods without worrying about calorie content? Did I up my exercise? Um, Short answer, no. After running myself into the ground, I really stopped the energy in, energy out balancing act. I did that for a while and, you know, look where it landed me. I was skinny, but I was miserable and unable to work out or enjoy food. So I had this moment where I was like, do I want to look back on this time in my life, arguably my prime, and be like, wow, I wasted so much energy on all of that. And for what? Years from now, maybe it'll be different then, but I don't think I'm going to care if I was five or 10 pounds heavier or lighter. I want to be happy. That's what it comes down to. 
I just don't have the time or patience for being unhappy for too long. And I think that I have the benefit of this different perspective after having gone through addiction and, you know, being so close to losing my life from that, that I just don't sit with unhappiness and negativity for too long. But we all have the power to stop doing the things that are making us miserable. So I'm not unique in that sense. Food makes me happy. And when we're really nourishing ourselves, I believe that the physical part works itself out. So I focus on, you know, eating good foods and making healthier versions of things that I'm craving and enjoying that. And then I do the movement that feels good to me. So I don't know. Maybe the idea of what our body should look like isn't what our body wants to look like. Did my drinking get worse after my eating disorder or vice versa? Well, my drinking made my eating disorder go away because I was so numb, I really didn't need to numb out anymore. Occasionally, I would be like, oh, I need to lose weight, but I never really followed through with it. When I stopped drinking, it came back with a vengeance in the very beginning of my sobriety, but... um. I think it was just a desperate attempt to control something and not feel the new and very magnified feelings that I was feeling. Everything is like you feel it tenfold in early sobriety. But I was really lucky in that it worked itself out as I focused on my sobriety and focused on clearing up all the emotional shit that was blocking me from being connected spiritually, which is really um, what gave me kind of this, this new life. Has this balance been sustainable without a slew of vitamins, detoxes, shakes, and all the things pushed on us today? Yes. I don't buy into any of that aside from like a few essential vitamins um, and supplements occasionally for whatever issues I have. But short answer, yes, it's sustainable. And no, I will not drink your skinny tea or do your detox. Do I still binge on occasion or is it in the past? Um, never, unless you count like eating half a bag of Siete chips or bar- Barnana, Barnana, I don't know how you pronounce that brand. Their plantain chips are heaven. I could eat an entire bag in two minutes. Um, and occasionally I'll have like a little too much chocolate for my liking, but I never binge. Again, it comes down to dealing with the underlying emotions, which I have done a lot of through therapy, my recovery, meditation, and finding fulfillment in other areas of my life. It's huge because then I don't have this void that I feel like I have to fill. Okay, did I or do I ever struggle with portion control? Tips on how to stop overeating and figure out best portion for the body. So this kind of ties into the question I just answered. Um, But here's how I dealt with portion control early on. I will say that maybe the only good thing about tracking macros for a while is that it taught me like what four or six ounces of protein looks like or what the best amount of rice or, you know, veggies or whatever is for me. I used to eat lower calorie foods, but eat like massive portions. So I would feel full. So the good thing is you don't need to count macros to figure this out. Um, This isn't going to be the answer that anybody probably wants to hear, but try eating with no distractions. Eat slowly and chew your damn food. This is what Rob told me. And I was like, what? Just give me the pill. 
But when you do this, rather than mindlessly or distractedly eating a huge plate of whatever your your body isn't really registering what you're eating, you'll get a chance to begin to feel full when you're focused on eating and you're tasting your food. And that's such a good way to figure out what portions work with your body. And there's nothing wrong with trial and error. Sometimes I'll eat too much of something and be like, okay, lesson learned. And same goes for not eating enough of something. So for example, I learned that like when I eat some carbs at dinner, I used to do no carbs after the morning because I read that's what Kira Knightley did. <laughs> but when I eat carbs at dinner, I'm full and I'm satisfied and I don't have a craving for a late night snack or chocolate or whatever. Obviously, I eat protein and fats too, and those are important. But again, like not restricting goes a long way for me. And then, of course, there's the emotional aspect of it. So I used to approach eating from a place of scarcity and fear of hunger. So like how big of a salad can I eat to trick my body into being super full and not get hungry in an hour? And I would always end up overeating either at that point to try to not be hungry later or I would overeat later because I had restricted. So now I feel like I'm rambling. I'm, I'm not sure if I fully answered that question, but... Do I ever feel myself slipping back into negative habits and does social media play a role in this? I think I pretty much answered this one already talking about controlling what I see and staying away from things that may trigger those old habits. How did I notice I had gut issues and how has it influenced my diet now? Well, as I said before, I had really acute symptoms. So I had obvious GI distress and then secondary symptoms like bloating, fatigue, nausea, acne, etc. And as far as my diet, um, I learned what foods I'm sensitive to. So I avoid those. It's not a huge list. I learned that I do a lot better with cooked veggies versus giant big salads or raw vegetables. I incorporate probiotic and fermented foods, prebiotics. I learned how to not overwhelm my system. Like I don't do well with a bajillion ingredients at once. And I've really learned over the years how to eat to feel my best. And of course, some of it comes down to investigation and journaling and figuring out what foods may be triggering and maybe doing some testing. But then, you know, it also comes back to kind of what I was saying before with trial and error. Um, if I have enough experiences with something with with a certain result, then I know that I'm going to get that result if I do it again. So. I think it's an experience that everybody should have. I mean, you're getting to know your body and we're all so different. So I'm really glad that I went through what I did and am going through what I continue to go through. We're always evolving and things are always changing. And I'm glad that I've had that experience versus somebody just saying like, eat this, don't eat that. Do I believe in dieting or just having a sustainable lifestyle? Okay, this is hard for me to answer because of, I guess, what I would call my thin privilege. I'm definitely aware of it. It's easy for me to say I don't believe in dieting for myself because I've never actually had to aside from, you know, for my own maybe dysmorphic aesthetic goals. <laughs> so for me personally, it's all about sustainability, but I understand that for others that might not be the case. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Top three to five foods for optimal gut health. Um, this varies at different times, but I love probiotic dairy-free yogurt like coconut cult or Kalina. 
I love fermented foods like kraut and kimchi. I eat tons of cooked veggies, which my body loves. Bone broth is always great. And chocolate. Chocolate for gut health 2020. What was my breaking point? What do I look back on now and think, how did I ever think this was okay? Well, my breaking point was definitely when I hit that rock bottom after counting macros and doing a lot of high intensity exercise. I definitely don't think promoting that kind of lifestyle was the best thing. But again, I really thought I was doing the right thing at the time. I thought it was like I had found food freedom because I could eat a lot and not restrict certain food groups. And I didn't obsess over it per se. I mean, I did eventually, but um, at first, you know, I felt like, oh, I don't have to think about food all day because it's already planned out for me. And I did have a lot of energy initially. So I don't know. I don't blame myself for that. But looking back, it's a little like cringeworthy. <laughs> how did I learn how to listen to and trust cues from my body? Okay, this is a complicated one. So there's a few things. Initially, I had to clear the pathogens out and figure out what foods were giving me a bad reaction because those will definitely make cues and cravings a little erratic. Um, I had Dr. Will Cole on the podcast a while back and he was talking about how inflammation is really important. It plays a big role in this. So it's hard to trust your body's cues if you have a lot of inflammation going on too. So that was one thing. Another was slowing down around meals like I talked about before. A big one that I haven't mentioned was cutting way back on caffeine and increasing my water intake. I cannot even tell you. Huge, massive, massive difference. I cannot even begin to tell you how effective hydration is at balancing the body and the cravings and cues and all of that. I mean, I'm sure you, you've you heard people say like, drink a glass of water because maybe you're dehydrated, you're not hungry. And I'm definitely not saying like, drink water instead of eating, but there is some truth to that. So I, I drink a ton of water. <laughs> um, what else? Then there's the emotional part of it. My body is not out to get me. My body knows what it needs. If you need an affirmation, maybe you can start with that. My body will tell me what it needs. Sometimes it will tell me that I need the entire bag of chips, but I've been down that road enough that I just don't follow it anymore. So I don't know. At the end of the day, we have to learn how to love and trust ourselves instead of treating ourselves as the enemy. So I can trust cues. We all can. Have I been tested for mold, metals, and parasites? Yes, yes, yes. I had parasites last year and I did a round of supplements that got rid of them. Um, everybody wants to know what supplements and everyone recommends different things. And I am not a practitioner. I think universally things like oregano oil and olive leaf extract are pretty good. I like organic Olivia's Parapro and I like integrative therapeutics Paragard. Um... GI Revive by Designs for Health is good gut support when eliminating pathogens. But I cannot stress this enough. This is not my lane. So go to a professional. Do not just aimlessly throw money at things that influencers recommend. I've done that. I did it with supplements. I spent so much money and I have them all just sitting there. And you don't want to take something that is going to make things worse. So consult a professional. How did I manage eating to support my gut without falling back into old restrictive habits? 
Well, when I was really healing my gut and being super careful about not eating things that irritated me, I just made sure I had a lot of all the foods that I could eat around and prepared. I still cook tons and tons of veggies and incorporate them into my meals throughout the week. And I make sure that I have a lot of healthy snacks and fresh fish and just all the foods I love to eat on hand. Um, So that was super important in the beginning, but it's something that I still do today. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm much more relaxed about what I eat now. Um, I still really like to eat fresh food and all of that, but I mainly just avoid gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. What are my standbys when I need a confidence boost? Well, of course, things like a new outfit or glowing skin or a new pair of shoes or a good hair day can give a boost of confidence, but that's all superficial. I'm going to sound really goody-goody here, but what makes me feel really fucking good about myself is being a good person and helping other people at every opportunity that I can get and chasing my dreams and all of that and Botox. (laughs) Do I have low self-esteem? So I'm not sure if this was a genuine question or a dig, but no, I have very high self-esteem. I can be humble. And at the same time, I can say, I truly love myself. I'm proud of myself and all that I'm doing. I'm proud of what I've done with my life. I know that I'm a good person with a lot to offer. I do a lot of good in the world. And I like what I see in the mirror. Pre-sobriety, different story. How did I figure out what foods were giving me issues? So, oh, I eat healthy and I'm bloated all the time. Okay. Well, food journaling for one, it's very telling. If you write what you eat, then how you feel about 30 minutes later, that can give more insight than even a test in my opinion. Um, But then you can also do sensitivity testing. I did it with Rob and... He only uses one lab. He only trusts them because he would literally send his own samples under two different names to labs and see if they came back different or the same. So yeah, so we used his lab and I did sensitivity testing and it told me that I was really reactive to like cane sugar, certain dairy products, gluten, a few random things. And then I finally did pathogen testing. So you can be doing everything perfectly and have an infection or a dysbiosis. And no matter what you eat, you will experience uncomfortable symptoms. And then it could also be like stress or hormonal things. There's a whole, whole laundry list, unfortunately. But I would definitely start with food journaling and then do some testing from there. Do I intentionally maintain my current shape? No. And if that sounds obnoxious, I'm sorry, but I I try to bring light to this. It's really important for people to understand how much of a role genetics play. (laughs) I get messages almost daily. I had a question on here asking how I keep my legs lean. People ask how they can cut their leg size in half and get a thigh gap. I don't even know. I could not tell you. I have my mom's legs and all the women in my family are petite. So it's genetic. That's a big factor. That said, my body is happy when I do low impact exercise and I walk a lot. When I'm sedentary, I retain a lot of water and I look much softer. But short answer is no. So I intentionally do things that I know make me feel and function well and that probably reflects outwardly. Okay, I'm going to do a couple more here because I can tell my brain is starting to short circuit. When I transitioned from dieting to more intuitive eating and movement, did I gain weight and bloat? 
So I'm not sure if I gained weight because I don't weigh myself, but my body definitely changed. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, like maybe our body has a different idea of what it should look like than our brain does. So I went from forcing my body into a particular mold and it was forcing. It took a lot of work. That wasn't me at my natural healthiest state. So maybe I softened up or put on a little bit of weight and experienced some bloating, but eventually it kind of balances out. So if there's some initial weight gain or any of that, just try not to pay attention to it. I would really encourage you to continue down your path because it does balance out eventually and you will be so much happier not trying to chase that goal. Oh, and I do want to say, that's not to say we can't have goals to like tone up or lose a few pounds or whatever, but there there's a way to do so coming from a good place, not a place of like punishment and hate. I think I will stop there, you guys. I'm sorry I'm sleep deprived. It's been kind of a hectic week here. Um, but I hope this was helpful in answering your questions and letting you know how I got to where I am today. I'm not the type of person who's going to say, eat this and do that exercise and pretend like I have all the answers. But I hope you're inspired to experiment with different methods in your own life and My big takeaway would be that in my experience, it really comes down to our relationship with ourselves more than what diet we follow and what exercise we do. So I truly believe that when we try to foster and improve that relationship, we find lifestyle behaviors that support optimal individual well-being. So thank you guys for listening to me ramble. I am done and I hope you enjoyed it. I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.